Hello, sweet souls. If you know it, say the rebel reclamation with me. We have the right to fully embody life in connection with nature and her cycles. We empower ourselves and others without apology or harm, aware and in awe of our united potential. We welcome the light and the shadow, knowing that the source of both is one singular divine power. With the wisdom of our ancestors and the hope of all future descendants, we lean into the unknown with grace. We release that which is no longer serves us and manifest that which does. We make our own rules, and then sometimes we break them. We are radical and wild. I am your red sister, Sarah. This is your dark sister, Sam. And we are rebel women with teacups. What's up? Hello. <laughs> How the heck are you? We're back. We're back. <laughs> hey, life be life in sometimes. That's right. <laughs> and sometimes you just need to take a hiatus. Right. It was our new moon phase. That's all. That's right. Beautiful. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Um, I uh, have been up for a few hours. I have already been productive. So my sense of self is through the roof. <laughs> That's fantastic. I feel good. That's fantastic. I was awoken at like one or two in the morning from one of the cats getting into the drawer that holds the catnip. Aww. And I found him on the floor with the bag in his hands. And then I woke up this morning, not realizing that he'd gotten catnip all over the floor. Oh, he had a like, blast. He did. <laughs> and he had, he had zoomies at one point. Cause I could hear him zooming and playing with something. So that little shit. <laughs> was it your ginger cat or was it your gray cat? My great cat. Okay. He's yeah. behind you right now in that chair. I can see him over your oh, shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I hear you talking about me. <laughs> Is he the more mischievous of the two? He's not. No, I would say my ginger cat is more mischievous. Um, he is, we got him a little bit older than what we got our ginger cat. And so he doesn't like us to love on him as much. Like the ginger cat just kind of oh. like goes limp in our arms. And he's like, this is the life that I have been mm -hmm. bonded to. And mm -hmm. I just surrender to it. And the other one's like, I did not give you permission to pick me up. I did not give you permission to love on me. So like when he does come up to you and like lays with you, it's a big deal. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. look, look, he's, he's letting me love him. Mm -hmm. And so like, you literally don't want to move a hair. Cause you're like, it's not going to last too long. Right. I just want to love you. That's all I want. <laughs> and he's so soft too. Like you, I can feel a difference in their texture and it's really mm -hmm. wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a sweet cat, but he likes the nip baby. He likes the nip. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> He's the only one that tries to get to it. Aww. It's really funny. We've had the cats get in our catnip before. We kept it um above the refrigerator and then it was like the packet, it's it was like a stiff um like stiff like plastic baggie and there was like teeth marks and claw marks and it was on the kitchen floor so now we keep it in a cabinet steve used to open the cabinets but he doesn't anymore but we have the, the between the two cats there steve is super chill belly pets total trust total love i will take all of the rubbins anytime <laughs> and then mo is the opposite most like she's a little bit neurotic though she like doesn't She's scared all the time, but then when she does want your attention, she demands it. Sits on your lap, literally gets in your face, purse, 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 mom, 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 and is like, you know, up in your neck. And then you move a little bit or you sneeze and she's like, fuck, I'm out. 
out and she like runs (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny that's so funny I love her yeah she's needy though sometimes it's so it's it's she's just like she's both but (laughs) anyways anyways do you know how I feel about my cats (laughs) I do I can tell (laughs) I I love them yes it's the tea that we're drinking that was my segue. <laughs> oh, you're so cute. That was a good segue. Yeah. So we're drinking. Is it Puka? I think so. P-U-K-K-A. So yeah. Puka. And it's their love. And I thought I brought down the little baggie it was in. I got it. Okay. So cool. it is. Um, so Puka, you can get it at like your grocery store or Amazon. It's it's a little bit more accessible um, than some of these like custom local blends we've done, but it is a heartwarming touch of rose, chamomile, and lavender. I was just seeing if it had the actual ingredients, you know, <laughs> sniff out if there's any <laughs> artificial <laughs> or natural flavors in there, but it doesn't list it. Um, have you been brewing yours? I have been, but it's still super hot. Like I can mm. see it rolling off of it. Mm. But I'm down for anything that has rose. Yeah. So uh, mine has been brewing. It smells like chamomile. Uh, you yeah. can't. You couldn't really see the plant material at all when the bag was dry because you know it's like a white paper bag. But um, now that it is wet, it's very yellow on the inside. Looks like it's mostly chamomile. I don't see a yeah. lot of red or pink. Yeah, for sure. Mostly chamomile. Absolutely. What was the third one? Oh, lavender. Maybe there's lavender in there. I don't even, I can't even get a hint of lavender in the taste of it. I did take a sip. I taste mostly chamomile. If I smell it, I can smell lavender. Mm. I would rather. If I smell the bag, if I smell the tea, I can't smell lavender. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I would rather just grab, you know, a tablespoon of Mm -hmm. rose petals a tablespoon of lavender and a tablespoon of chamomile, honestly, and blend it. I feel like I get a lot more flavor than what, yeah, than what I would get from this. This is not paid advertising. No, (laughs) it is not. I, I mean, it's just, honestly, it just tastes like warm chamomile water. Like it doesn't, I don't know. There's no zing for it. I, I do taste a little bit of lavender. It's like the, the bottom of my nose, um, after the oh, yeah. after the swallow goes down the bottom of my nose roof of my mouth I get like lavender in in my taste receptors there but not a lot not any rose honestly though too much rose makes me I'm I'm not into roses like you are yeah They're, I have some trauma well, it's a fine line some... oh <laughs> no I, it's not it's not it's not bad trauma it was like when I was little we had these um Barbies that had like perfume with them and it was mm-hmm. like the fakest most awful mm. rose smell that was like straight chemicals and endocrine disruptors. And I can't, that's any description. Anytime I smell too much rose, that's where my brain goes, even if it's real rose, like actual high quality, you know, $40 bottle of essential oil. My diaphragm is like, Ooh. that's good to know. It's so funny. That's so funny, the dichotomy between me and you in regards to that, because it's like, yeah. I want to be lavished. Is that right? I want to be. Yeah. Covered in rose all the time, surrounded mm-hmm. around in through. Well, and That's sometimes so too much rose with taste can taste like soap. To that, me. Well, that is quite true. There is a delicate balance that you need with the petals of roses for mm-hmm. it to taste good and not taste because it can very easily overpower everything. Yeah. I literally stuck my nose into my cup 
and I could smell a little bit of lavender. Mm -hmm. It's not bad tea. It's just, it's just not a lot of flavor in my opinion. So if you would give it, well, how long has yours been brewing by the way? For a while. It says five to 15 minutes on the back of it. 15 minutes is a long brew time. I think I I would think so too. It's at least 10, if not 15. Okay. So if you were to rate it between one to 10. Oh man. 10 being the best tea I've ever had. 10 being would happily drink again. Um, okay. Okay. Um, I would say probably a five. Like if it was offered to me, I'd gladly take it, but I probably wouldn't go out of my way to purchase it. Mm, Okay. Iced tea, I think would probably bump it up a few. I think it would be Mm. a more enjoyable iced tea. Mm, Okay. You know what? We've got to do some iced teas in the summertime. Oh, that's true. That would be fun. Yeah. Sun-brewed teas. That would be cool. We also talked about um, reviewing chocolate bars and things instead of tea. <laughs> well, I would say in addition to. Okay. Because I'm, I'm always down fine to with that chocolate. Right. Yum, yum, yum. Right. Yeah. And I think this is good because we haven't had a ba- like a, you know, less than like above average cup so far. So this is good. I feel like it keeps us real, keeps us yeah. relevant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyways. Okay. So, um, so we chose the tea love because, okay, so I have a story and, and then I have a reading. So typically we do, we'll share a reading or a snippet or a quote, and then we talk about it, but I want to share my story first and then, yes. and then, then the reading. I'm excited. Yay. Okay. I didn't know this was happening. I'm down yeah. for it. Well, sometimes good things happen. And I'm like, I can't wait to tell Sarah. And then <gasps> there's the secondary thing. That's like, you can't tell her yet. <laughs> yes tell me tell me all the things okay so Monday night I taught candlelight chill pill which I've done many 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 times it's the last Monday of every month and it's a great freaking time and I think there was eight people nine people in class um and you know everyone's got a fuck ton of props okay so for anyone who doesn't know what candlelight chill pill is or um okay so what it is is it's two hours of intense restorative poses. And when I say intense, I mean decadent. I mean, four blankets, 15 bolsters, three eye pillows. I tuck you in. I'll give your feet a little squeeze. I give you a crown massage, right? So, so it's restorative poses, super, super juicy and abundance of props, restorative poses. And then I teach breath work. And then there is sound, um, crystal bowls, or maybe I move over you with a rain stick or an ocean drum or, or all of the above. Um, and then there's usually some scent involved, whether it's essential oil or like custom incense and then hands-on. Um, and then for those who don't know what restorative is, can you just give a little snippet of what that is? I mean, it kind of, it's implied, but some people don't know what it actually is. Yeah. Well, and some people, some people do it wrong, but (laughs) (laughs) no judgment. So my, how I perceive restorative is a pose that you are holding. It's a static pose. It's it's not dynamic. There's no dynamic. There's no doing energy that's happening in it. Um, And there, and you're supported. That is the key to a good restorative Mm -hmm. posture is support because you can lay down on the ground and not do anything. And you could be like, I'm restoring. But actually if your low back is tight or you're so as, you know, has some tension, you're not going to be able to fully release. So true restorative is about creating enough support. Um, through the architecture of the body. So our 
anatomy is designed a certain way. Like if you are on an incline, like you're, you're reclined rather, right? So you've got maybe some props, um, some, some bolsters up on an angle to support your back. So you're almost like reclining. If you don't have anything supporting your arms, there's like drag on your shoulders, right? Or maybe there's pressure on your elbows where your arms are hitting the ground because they're not fully supported. So from my perspective, restorative is truly about creating uh, an efficient and effective support system of props, towels, blankets, whatever, so that your body can relax, your physical body can relax so that your nervous system can start dropping into rest and restore instead of fight or flight. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So then, and then I, and then I usually do hands-on. I always ask permission. And then if I can, you know, give you a little shoulder squeeze or put my hand on like the small of your back, if you're in child's pose, it's like getting, you're in child's pose. And then I tuck you in, right. I bring the blanket up over the back of your shoulders. And then I just put my hands along the spine and the small of your back. And it's just like, ugh, I could just be there for literally ever. And then I see the person, you know, melt and it's just mm-hmm. ugh, so fucking good. Anyways. I get to do that once a month, the last Monday of the month. And, and it's yeah. a very small class, like only eight or nine people because because we use so, so many much. props. Yeah. We well, so and also just like your physical on, body can right. only do so much. Yeah. But I mean, I've gotten better at figuring out, like you can't just squat at someone's head and give them a three minute crown massage. Cause then my body will be screaming at me and I can't listen to what their body. So then it's, it's interesting too, cause I have to build support for each person when I sit down, no matter what the pose is, right. Cause you're switching poses over two hours. We have maybe four poses, which seems like a lot of holding still right. Four poses over two hours, but really we're spending three to five minutes setting ourselves up for poses in between. If we're going to be in a pose for 15 minutes, it should be acceptable that we spend four minutes setting it up so that it's set up just right. Otherwise it's going to be 15 (laughs) minutes of, you know, your ankle screaming at you or something. Yeah. Anyways, what was I saying? Oh yeah. I, so I support myself. So yeah, I bring my little bolster around and anyways. Okay. So I am at the portion where, um, I've asked for permission if I may touch people's heads, their crowns, their faces. Um, and, and one of the women was like, I please don't touch my face, but crown head, everything's great. And I'm like, cool. And in my head, I'm like, man, lady, you're wrong. (laughs) It would be better (laughs) if you let me touch your face. But then, you know, it's it's fun. It's fun being, um, being pushed to like, well, if I'm going to spend a minute with you on your, on your head, and typically it includes like, maybe I'm, you know, like adding pressure at your jaw or your temples. Right. But you're now your face is off limits. So then I get to do more with your head. Um, and what I ended up was just, I just held her head. And then sometimes my thumbs will move a little bit, but really just like cradling the head. And I, I, you know, there's a, a visible change that happens in her body. Her jaw softens, like literally like mouth opens. Sometimes that, that happens. It's, it's so um, rewarding to see someone just like <laughs> unclench their jaw, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and sometimes there's an audible noise. Right. But I just like had this moment and where I was like, she's, she's just perfect. Like everything, I don't know what she needs in her life, but it seemed as though in that moment, she had everything that she needed. And, and from what I could see, she was perfect. Like, like, uh, like pristine, just 
being, right? Not that I was giving it to her, but the, her nervous system was in a place where there wasn't any barriers to presence. There wasn't any barriers to what the universe was providing for her to experience. She was just like surrendering in it. And so I was holding her head and I was like, this is so beautiful. So then I moved to the next person and I hold her head. Cause like I just cradling someone's head alone, right? If someone's laying down and somebody just comes up behind you and just holds your head, just takes a little bit of the weight off of the back of your skull. You know what I mean? Lengthens your neck just a little bit. It's just like, oh, right. Mm. You don't have to do anything. It's just, there's enough, there's enough there. So I'm cradling the second person's head. And then I decided in that moment, I'm just going to spend time instead of thinking about what I can do, right. How can I, how can I activate something in my hands so that they're releasing in their face and in their body and in their heart and in their breath. I'm just holding, I'm just being, that was what I decided from the second person. So I'm just holding their head, just being, and it was lovely. And, and that person became infinite and spotless and, you know, pristine awareness. And then I moved through all the people. And then I realized the last person I'm holding her head and I'm like, she's an infant. Like I'm holding her head. Aww. And it, it was as though she transformed into this unburdened soul like that that's what I was seeing all of the other people because mm. there's in there's this thing called darshan so when you when you perceive when you see lay eyes and gaze upon a deity like in a in a temple in a Vedic Hindu temple you receive darshan from from the god from the deity you actually pull the curtains and then you get to see them and that alone is a gift and I've always thought that you can receive darshan from babies brand new babies that have no no ego structure. There's no character defects present. There's no cultural indoctrination. There's no, there's, there's nothing, nothing other than seeing, right? There's no judgment yet. It's just pristine. And sometimes they can't even see you because if they're so new, their eyesight hasn't really developed more than like black and white, strong contrast, right? So they won't even like actually look at you. They just kind of gaze around through near you. Right. And so sometimes when I hold brand new babies or when I get the, when I get to experience them, it's like, it's emotional because it's just like literally looking into God's eyes. Cause it's fucking mm. perfection. So then when I was doing this to each of their heads, they each became these like perfect infant, spotless, egoless, just pristine. Oh, oh, it was just so good. It was so fucking good. And I just felt really, really grateful. And, um, and then part of me as a teacher was like, maybe, maybe at the end, after I bring them up and out, I, I will thank them. I will thank them for that experience, share a little bit of what that experience was. Cause it was an intense amount of love an intense amount of bliss that I got to experience, feel, witness, move through me because maybe they had some awareness of it. Maybe they didn't, you know what I mean? So, so I was thinking about sharing it with them. And then, um, and then when we were closing class, it just didn't feel it didn't naturally fall out of me. It didn't feel quite right. So I withheld it and decided it was meant to like, just be for me. <clears throat> and then I had shared it with my partner when I got home. So I guess it wasn't just for me, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> reflecting on things, <laughs> reflecting on things makes it feel a certain way or, or deeper, or I don't know, increases your awareness about it. And then the next day we got an email from a woman um, <laughs> who came and she was talking about cranial sacral massage. And, and if we knew anybody who did it and and I didn't. And I also realized I didn't know a whole bunch about cranial sacrum massage. So then I, you know, went down that rabbit hole and I'm like, do I spend seven grand and three weeks in Colorado? Because it's amazing. If you, so th this is what I learned from my like two hours of Googling yesterday. It's, it's by name, biodynamic healing where 
it's not just in the skull. It could be in like the feet or even the sacrum, right? That little like triangle bone at the bottom of your tailbone through gentle pressure. Like the, the technician or therapist feels fluids, feels fascia, like these subtleties, right? It's all gentle pressure and then applies gentle pressure or movement or whatever needs to be done to move these things through the physical body to then affect the subtle body, like a direct effect on the nervous system through imagine holding someone's head and feeling a pocket of a subtle pocket of like fluid where I don't know, it sounds gross, but like, it would be so subtle that it wouldn't be gross at all. Right. Like, mm-hmm. or um, what is it? Phrenology where you're feeling like bumps and lumps, yeah. in head. but yeah. then you learn how to touch them in a way that they use it for, um, for cancer patients, for Mm. managing symptoms. I mean, there's been a ton of stuff like, and they've done lots of studies with babies, infants, Mm -hmm. and those cranial sacral stuff, which is like, you can't, there's no, there's no adult like putting on a show about how well something worked or, or their, um, their unconscious bias about whether or not something might work to affect its efficacy. It's like, oh, so then I'm like, maybe I was supposed to do this. I don't know. But that, that wasn't part of the story initially. It was just like, I just, the love, the infinite, like, what is it to experience one another as spotless, unburdened souls instead of perceiving any, any ego, which typically presents as character defects, or maybe even like, you know, attachment, like, Ooh, I really like this. This person's really whatever cute. And I really like that. So I'm attracted to the, you know what I mean? What if, Mm -hmm. what if it's just a, a spotless mirror? What does that look like? Feel like, like, how often do we get that in our regular lives? We don't. No. And we don't even realize that it's missing. Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking about one of the women that has come to just about every one of your candlelight chill pill. And I can't remember if she just told you in a message or if it was in like in a reply to a post, but she was talking about how you were helping her to heal her, her inner child. Mm, and oh, I think yeah. that's yeah and I think wound. that's yeah the yeah the mother wound yeah, yeah let me tuck you in <laughs> yeah how <laughs> it's just magic it's magic it's science and it's magic yeah meeting right oh, that's crazy because that it is it's like this whole time every time I do chill pill the reason I love it so much is because they all become these these little infants these little yeah. babies and yeah. I just get to love them There's nothing else that they need from me other than to love them. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. Me too. Me too. That's beautiful. Okay. So here's my quote that I have to share because it's, it's about, um, it's about removing ego. Well, it's not about removing ego. It's about the absence of ego and what, what that's like. It's from the course of miracles book. Who's it by? Uh, so this isn't actually a course in miracles book. It's a quote within the book. Let me Google it. Dang it. So, so it's not from the book. It's from a book that quotes course in miracles. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Okay. Um, it is written by. it's like i need a banter it's a whole methodology there's like teaching systems here what is this helen schumann kenneth wapnick oh this is a volume that's not it it's cool (laughs) we'll figure it out what what book is it appearing in so this book okay this book and would you recommend it well i haven't read this whole book 
So I can't say for sure, but I can recommend the author times okay. a million. Um, the book is called Awakening the Soul of Power, How to Live Heroically and Set Yourself Free. The author is Christian De La Huerta, and he teaches circular breathing. Um, mm. He does a lot in like Florida and like warmer places, but he moves around. So we, I first encountered him in Yellow Springs. He came and did a breath work there, a circular breathing breath work that was oh, powerful. <laughs> yeah. Is that where you first realized that you wanted to teach breath work or were you already no. on the path? No, I had already been. Um, and that while it was a really beautiful offering that particular time, I was very much stuck in my ego, in my head about other things. Cause it was really crowded there. Like, no, mm. like we didn't have enough room. Cause it was like beyond sold out. There was like 50 people crammed into this room. I mean, we weren't crammed, but it was, so there was like a lot of external sounds happening. A lot of, you know, 50 people having emotional, spiritual experiences. <laughs> my sensory awareness is very aware of those things. So I couldn't fully <laughs> drop into mine. Okay. <laughs> at that particular time. Anyways, um, I, my partner has, um, been an apprentice with Christian. He oh. did like a full year with him. Um, and then it was getting breath work monthly, weekly, like, and, and did this, this other group with him where they were talking and zooming every week with a, a group of people who were like on this journey together. And, um, and I was on Christian's podcast and, and he used to have a goddess temple. Oh, it, it was either in Florida, Miami. I don't know. It was someplace warm. He's, he's an incredible, incredible human being. Um, and extremely like intuitive, like definitely in the intuitive healer way, but even just like when you're talking with, you know, some people you just talk to and they just like, get it. Like they know where you're going. They can actually hear what you have to say. And I do yeah. know what that feels like. And he's just like soft and sweet. And um, yeah, Christian DeLuert's a 10 out of 10. Um, he teaches circular breathing. He has lots of um, online resources. You can connect with them virtually, trainings, breathings, all sorts of things. But so this is from, this is a, a spot from his book. Mm -hmm. He put this quote from the Course of Miracles in his book. All right, here we go. <laughs> here is the quote. <laughs> We cannot really make a definition for what the ego is, but we can say what it is not. And this is shown to us with perfect clarity. It is from this that we deduce all that the ego is. Where there's darkness, now we see light. What is the ego? What the darkness was. Where is the ego? Where the darkness was. What is it now and where can it be found? Nothing and nowhere. And now the light has come. Its opposite has gone without a trace. This was all the ego, all the cruel hate, the need for vengeance and the cries for pain, the fear of dying and the urge to kill, the brotherless illusions and the self that seemed alone in all the universe. Your questions have no answer, being made to still God's voice, which asks of everyone one question only. Are you ready yet to help me save the world? Oh my gosh. <laughs> How beautiful. I know, right? Are you ready yet to help me save the world? I love that. It made me think like my interpretation of some of the things that I heard inside of that quote is we are our shadow, right? Mm. And our shadow is a huge part of our ego. We don't realize that we're doing things that 
the parts that we try to hide away, they always appear, right? All of the parts mm-hmm. and pieces of ourselves that we try to push back into the shadow that we're ashamed of, that we don't want people to witness her to see. We are those things and we do those things inadvertently in what what would be considered the light, right? Mm-hmm. It could be in how we speak to ourselves or how we speak to others or about others. Like if you grew up in a household where um, there was no positivity in any way where instead of it being like, um, you, it doesn't matter that you didn't get first place. I'm so proud of you. Why didn't you get first place? And then that, like, you start to build an identity around the idea of I'm never going to be good enough unless I have first place. So that means inherently you're not good enough unless you're like at the top of the field, right? Mm -hmm. You're, if you're not number one, then why should I be listening to you? Mm Mm-hmm. To where there's no there's no opportunity for growth. There's no opportunity to to realize that first isn't always necessarily the best. Mm-hmm. But it's when we embrace what's inside of our shadow and we coax it out into the light and say, mm-hmm. you're a wound and that is okay, but I can only heal you in the warmth of the light. So let me heal you. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, I am burying myself to everybody. And in doing so, I will pick up the baggage with you and we can save the world together. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. Okay. So I've heard my dog clomping around. So sorry if that was in the background. (laughs) Okay. I have two thoughts. First one is it's like, if, if we can perceive one another without ego, right? So, mm. so number one, I, I have to be willing to set mine down. And then number two, I have to be willing to see through yours. You have to be presenting in a way in which I can see through, through all of that. Right. So, mm-hmm. th- so that's like twofold. And then when, when the participants of the experience are presenting in that way, what is possible? Literally saving the world. Yeah. Mm, okay. And then that. thought two, which is less sweet was my child had a, um, had a skin, had a skin like rash thing. And we went to the doctor and the doctor initially thought it was MRSA, a skin infection that is extremely contagious. So the doctor had said, keep it covered. If you're, um, like at home, mm. keep it open, but if you're out in the world, keep it covered. Cause you don't want to spread it. And so we kept it covered. Um, I, well, actually initially the first time we saw the doctor, he just said, keep it covered all the time. So she kept it covered while she was sleeping as well. And unbeknownst to me, because the only time I ever saw it was when it was covered, it was festering underneath this because it needed air. But mm-hmm. because my child is a teenager, you know what I mean? I'm not micromanaging if, if she's got a sore, she's going to tell me, but it was mm-hmm. growing because it was not getting any air and it was getting grosser and like necrotic. Like mm-hmm. it was not good and then when we went back because I was like this isn't getting any better she was like mom it's not getting any better it's getting worse um the doctor was like absolutely uncover it (laughs) it needs air it needs room to breathe it has got to see the light of day even when you're sleeping if you can manage you know what I mean and then just like wash the sheets like whatever because it Mm -hmm. needs to be aired out and I just feel like that is the epitome of the things that we don't want to acknowledge or we're like, oh, it's not appropriate for like public, you know, consumption Mm -hmm. or it's like for the safety of everyone else. You know what I mean? I don't want to like throw my daddy wounds out at the world. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. You're doing everyone a disservice when you're rotting from the inside out. Yeah. Because eventually that rotting is going to spread. It's exactly, exactly. And it's going to be way grosser. (laughs) 
<laughs> way grosser. Yeah. That's beautiful. Tell me your thoughts on ego in general. Like I know a lot of the times when um when you kind of get into the spiritual world, you're introduced to the idea of the ego. And so when you're trying to explain the ego to a person who is either not on a spiritual path or is towards the beginning, it can be a hard concept to 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 understand because it's like um you can say to someone, I, I feel like that's your ego talking. And in their minds, ego, not in a spiritual sense, is a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. And so um, ego can be uh, outside of the spiritual realm, or at least through my eyes, the ego is more of the, they take it as I don't know, their personality. I mean, and, and yes, mm -hmm. it is the personality, but it's so much more than that. Yeah. Because when you say it out in regular conversation, it feels almost like um, like ignorance or like flex, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. I'm so, and I guess, I guess it is true from a spiritual sense as well. But I, when I hear ego, what my brain, where my brain goes is it is the separator between me and my awareness of my true nature, which that yeah. is that I'm eternal, spotless, infinite being, and that there is no separation. So anything that feels like separateness is ego or it's ego in disguise. So even the simple fact of like, I am Sam and you are Sarah and we are two separate beings seems true, feels true, looks like it's true, but on like an eternal reality on a different perspective from a different wavelength, that's actually, it's actually not true. Cause it's just, these bodies are just temporary, mm -hmm. right? It's just a temporary barrier that separates whatever the consciousness is that's animating these cells versus whatever is animating your cells, which had the same source. So yeah. we can assume that the thing that's animating us is actually one in the same. And then, um, so, so it's really anything that's temporary, any label. Motherfucker. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. What was that? <laughs> my my T-lid. Um, <laughs> nothing broke. We're fine. It's okay. So anything that's temporary. So there's eternal Sam and then there's today Sam, which is a mom, um, a woman, a cat owner, a person with <laughs> shaved hair, uh, you know, an animal lover, right? All of these yeah. things that like, no, I'm an animal lover. Like to my core, my eternal purpose is in alignment with the fact that I'm an animal lover, but like truly that is just a temporary representation. Yeah. It's not. So even me saying that, assigning that value, well, I'm a mother. Of course I'm a mother. I could never be anything other than a mother, but still it's just a temporary designation of what I, this, this being masquerading around as Sam happens to be doing in these moments. It's not, so mm -hmm. that business owner, right? Like space holder, all of that, any, any assignment of value at all is going to, is going to be breadcrumbs following us back to ego. That's what I think. Yeah. What, what is Thank ego you. to you? You know, I, while you were speaking, I was thinking to myself, I have such a hard time putting it into words. Like it's a feeling for me. I know when I know the feeling of ego and I know mm. the feeling of not ego. And I have found myself struggling like when, when in conversation, something similar to this, but not on a platform, like a podcast, um, trying to describe what the ego is to someone who doesn't necessarily see ego the same way that I do. Mm. Um, and I love, I love the words that you put to it, that it's whatever is the separator between you and, and did you say true source or essentially that? Yeah. True nature. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Source. 
Yeah. Um, well, and it doesn't have to be bad either. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great point. It doesn't have to be bad. It's just, I don't know. It's just what these, these flesh bags of ours are experiencing in this lifetime. Right. Right. Um, is initially in place to protect us. And so it serves a purpose and it literally keeps us alive and effectively part of a community Mm -hmm. because it's always making these, these micro equations and and adjustments in our head of who to be, how to be, what to be, to keep us safe and to keep us part of a community. Yeah. And then what happens is it gets like deformed. Like it has like, you know, like Lou Ferrigno left arm, but then the right arm, you know what I mean? And it's like, whoa, whoa, it's like imbalanced. Well, that's just, that's so true because each one of us, our ego structure until we start to realize it and deconstruct it ourselves is based off of our environment. Mm-hmm. So if we come from, and we all, every single one of us does not matter how perfect you think that your soul is, all of us has some sort of a wounding. Mm-hmm. And when you are coming from a line of people who are wounded, it is it's something that's inherent that you're going to pick up from them. So if your wound happens from something, you're going to carry that thought that if A equals B or A plus B equals C, then it's always going to be that. So it's the deconstruction of that and understanding that just because oh, I, I'll use the Morticia Adams quote that I used mm-hmm. the other week and I could be getting it wrong. I always get it flip-flopped. What is normal for a spider is chaos for the fly, right? So like you, you, whoops, you grew up in a different household. So your ego structure was developed differently than mine. Mm -hmm. So we're all just trying to get to Nirvana, right? We're all trying to get to that enlightenment, but sometimes the path that we're on in this physical form is not going to get us there Mm -hmm. because we've not, we've not done the circus enough times to be able to get to that point of Nirvana. Like Mm -hmm. If you believe in the idea of reincarnation, and if you believe in the idea that we are all literally source experiencing itself in different forms. And I, the more we've talked about that, like with the experience of, I can't remember if it was Vishnu or Krishna, but how they're constantly trying to experience life and love for themselves through forms Mm -hmm. because source can't experience itself. So it sends us Mm -hmm. out. So we're all, we're all literally from the same source, just experiencing life differently. And there's some school of thoughts where it's, if you believe in the idea of, um, spirit guides and of archangels and of agreements that happen prior to your physical form, taking, taking actual form, Mm -hmm. that there's an agreement that this is the type of life that you're going to live. And it's getting through with whatever agreement that you've had. And then there's the idea that if, like, let's say that um, in this life, I'm meant to be, let's just use the, mo- use the mother aspect because I am a mother. Um, no matter whether or not I had the choice of it, I was going to be a mother in this lifetime. That's the the idea, right? Whether or not my soul actually wanted to experience it, that's the agreement that was made that I would be a mother in this lifetime. And then it's how did I mother? Did I mother to the sufficiency of what my soul contract would say? And right. then I might not repeat that in the next experience because I've I've completed that contract in this lifetime. Right. And sometimes they're shitty contracts. Sometimes mm-hmm. you live a life of sorrow. 
but it's learning how to separate yourself from the idea that you are anything other than infinite source and infinite being. That's just the ego that we take on. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wonder, is experience. it, is it even that there's shitty contracts or is it that the contract is encouraging your soul to grow and perpetuate and expand? And then what we're doing in our real lives in these temporary human bodies is we're not fulfilling the contract and then life feels shitty. Yeah, because we're it not could doing be that we're, we're going like against the grain. It could be that it very well could be that. Well, and with the ego, the, the, the way, the way in which it works, right. Cause it protects us, helps us, gives us a sense of self. It's only it's, it's working because you have forgotten that you're already that you've forgotten mm-hmm. that you're infinite. And so you need to like be a thing, have a thing, yes. do a thing because there there's this forgetting that happens that you already are, you already are everything. You already, everything that has happened that hasn't happened. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. whatever. That's why, that's why it, to bring it back around to you seeing these sweet souls as infants, because infants are literally the purest mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. They have they have truly just come from the other side. Mm-hmm. They are infinite and knowledgeable in everything, and yet they can't be because their physical form does not allow that. Mm-hmm. So the older they get, the further away their memory gets from remembering that they're infinite everything, right? Well, and, and they s- they get here. I'm sorry, you go ahead. You no, that's okay. Well, the, the thing I was going to say is that as they grow, then they take on the personas of the people around them, the uh, contractual uh, collective obligations around them. And then that creates this temporary ego, this temporary existence and experience. And then, and then we, the, the idea is that when we pass over to the next cycle that we'll go back and go, oh, I remember absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. But this sweet little, this sweet little bag of bones can't, it cannot mm-hmm. perceive that because it cannot perceive the infiniteness of everything because mm-hmm. it would be too much for our brains to, to, to accept. Mm-hmm. And what were you going to say? Well, okay. So if before you're a baby and you're source or great mister or whatever, and you're everywhere and everything and nothing all at the same time. Right. And mm-hmm. then you get passed through the portal and thrown into a physical body and you're a little baby human and you have this pure consciousness, but you have Mm -hmm. this brand new vehicle, this Mm -hmm. instrument that you have no idea how to manage. You don't know that you can move your, your hand to your mouth to suck on your thumb. Like you could watch babies figure it out over time. Oh, I'm controlling my hand. Yeah. So then instead of the awareness being, I'm just seeing it is how can I do Instead of, and, and that's what I feel like that's what the ego, and then we get really good at doing, and then we forget how to just be because we've spent how many years learning to like operate this vehicle. So we're not smashing, getting into accidents all the time. You know what I mean? Like you, Mm -hmm. you have to, you literally have to learn how to poop. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) We just know it because we've done it for so long. Yep. And we, we think that it's us, it's my body. It's just like doing a thing. No, 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 no. Like my consciousness had to like force <laughs> the fact that I don't poop my pants 12 times a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is wild. And I love that. I love that analogy. <laughs> oh, we're so, we're so expansive. 
I know. And and we're we're taught to be inside of boxes when we literally take up the whole of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think what I'm struggling most is remembering that is true for others. Like remembering is true for me. I don't I don't know that it really makes I mean, it makes a huge difference, but when I forget, it doesn't feel like the most amount of suffering. It it just feels kind of neutral. But when I'm interacting with others, mm. if I can remember that they're infinite automatically, like boom, through the roof, pleasure. go. And, and if I forget, it's like suffering, boom, through the roof, like this fucking guy, right? <laughs> That's so funny. Not everybody, not everybody can be... Um... I don't know. There are limits to the people that I can offer that much grace to, I feel. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just something that I have to accept about the experience of life uh, to offer the grace that yes, you are infinite and I love you as you are, but you're also a fucking douchebag. Right. Yeah. Cause you can be talking to me. You can be both. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, it's easier to experience myself as the mirror than to see others mirroring myself back. That's what I think it ultimately, like the first, I, I don't even remember what it was or when it was, but the first time my daughter was old enough to like sound like me or respond like me, or you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, oh. Like I, <laughs> I never heard it from myself until I heard her say something a certain way, you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. it's like this weird trigger in my brain. It's been presented to it to me all the time through behind my own eyes, behind my own ears, no awareness of it. And then she presents it to me and automatically I'm uncomfortable because I can see myself. (laughs) Yeah. That, that may be their gift to us. Right. Well, I can see my ego. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I can see the false layers of being, being reproduced, replicated, and then, and then then shine back. back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I don't, I don't want to be a Xerox machine for like, you know, un- Un- unhealthy, unhealed ego. That's not, mm. not what I want to be. I I want to remove the darkness, allow light, and I want to save the world with one another. That's what I want. Yeah. That's what I want the Xerox copy to be. That's why I always like that. I think it's a Ram Dass quote where it's something to the effect of we're all just walking each other home. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why can't we all just walk each other home? Mm-hmm. And then you get into the politics and the money and the greed and the I have this, so you can't have this. And that just separates us even more. Mm -hmm. And we're all infinite and powerful and glorious just as we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then other people's egos hitting a certain way. And I'm like, absolutely Mm. not. I am not that person. I could never be that way. And I create this false sense of separation that that is not me. And then I put them into a shadowy corner and say that they're an other and that they're separate. And then it becomes more painful interacting. Even just thinking of that person becomes more painful. Yeah. And also it's, it's that visceral reaction is because there's a mirror that you're not willing to look in. Right. The first time I heard that concept, I think, I think it was Danielle and she is the example of if you feel something visceral for Trump, because (laughs) You guys are mirroring each other in some sort of way. And when she said it, like my whole body clenched. I was like, I am nothing (laughs) like that motherfucker. And then, so I still haven't discovered what that uh, reflection, that mirror image is, but Mm. knowing the work that I've done, I know it's there somewhere and it could be something insignificant and small, but there's still something that is creating this 
mirror. And, and so, and in doing so, that's why I have a physical reaction to it because it is, right. it is true. Right. Well, and like, okay. So if, if we use Trump, right, he's like self-obsessed and completely all about like how he presents and not actually authentic at all. Right. So I can say all of these things, but it, it's not that you are those things. It's not that you're not authentic or that you, right. That that's not actually I'm what it's fearful hitting, that you know? I don't present it's yeah. And it's that it's that you are infinite. You are everything. So you are the good and the bad, but then the good in you is like, no, I can't possibly be that. And then mm. creates a wall. And then that wall, that illusion of separation, that's, that's where the, the ick happens. Yeah. I've been pretty deep in my, in my ick with my ego lately, resentment. So anger, right. So I was going to feel anger this year, angry, angry, angry. And then like, what's at the root of anger? Typically, typically grief sometimes, but I feel like more adequately is judgment. Mm. Like, and, um, and, and then what's underneath that is resentment. Like something has happened and I haven't shared about it. I haven't unburdened myself. I haven't, I haven't released it. And then I was talking to, um, in, in the 12 steps in the big book, they, the, the line is, which I've never even read the book, big book, but I know this line, it says, um, resentment is the dubious luxury of a normal man. Because if you're normal, you can have resentment and it doesn't bother you. It's just like part of life. It's a luxury. It's a dubious, it's an unnecessary luxury. But if you're an alcoholic, you can't live in resentment because you'll start to drink and you'll kill yourself. Right. Mm, and oh, I, wow. Right. Right. And I feel like I'm at this place where I can't resentment. I can't, I'm not a normal. It's too uncomfortable. Any resentment. It's like, I sniff it out like a fucking bloodhound. And like, it's it like overcomes me, even if it's a small resentment. And it's like, I have, to, I have to address this. I have to deal with it. Feels like, yeah, <laughs> that's what my ego has been processing as of the last, I don't know, two, three weeks is like anger. And then underneath that judgment, underneath that resentment. Mm. What a powerful place to be. Yeah. It's freaking exhausting though. And then I just keep thinking like, I don't know, three months ago, I'm like, I had no idea I was so resentful and I thought it was great. I was like living in bliss and I probably in, from my perspective, thought that I was less of an asshole because now I feel like I'm an asshole all the time. It's, it's always like the monologue that's running in my head is like, Sam, stop being a jerk. Sam, stop being mean in your head. And I'm not actually that mean. I'm just too mean for my own comfort. Like I've passed my personal line because my line, my boundary has been, has been shifted so much. Like my, my cup of tolerance is so small. <sighs> Anyways, I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> Oh, that's where I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. And I'm like, I wish it was just done. I wish I could just like be done with this, like part of the growth process. So I could save all this energy. But then I was like, (laughs) then what, then what would I be doing? Why? Why Don't we all wish that were the case that there's spiritual growth with figuring out who the hell we're supposed to be in this lifetime. I just want to go over with that. We would be bored. We would have nothing to do. Yeah. There would be, what would be the purpose what a of gift. smashing around in this vehicle of a human body? You know what I mean? If we didn't crash course sometimes. Yeah. Take some detours. It's a gift. <laughs> it's all a gift. Abundant <laughs> blessings.
<laughs> blessings, blessings. Yeah. But I was talking to my partner about my resentments and you know how I don't have this this dubious luxury. And then I'm like, you know, talking about the, whoever the person is that, that pissed me off for like the last five minutes or whatever. And I'm just like, blessings, 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 bless. so many blessings. That's what it is. It's so many blessings, all these opportunities to see resentment. And like, I'm not, I don't think that I'm an angry person. I just, like I said, I, most of the time I'm pretty happy, pretty chill. People think I'm chill. I'm mostly chill. And also I'm a little bit neurotic. <laughs> I love it. I love the neuroses. And I love um, getting you, getting to witness you, not only witness you on your journey, but getting to witness you witness yourself. I am grateful for your grounded presence because I feel like all the time I'm like, Sarah, this is what my brain is doing. Listen. <laughs> I love it so much. Yes. Just trying to be a mirror. That's all. That's all. <laughs> I love it. Well, love, do you feel complete? I do. Other than I want to mention that if you want to hear some beautiful words of wisdom from Sam, more than what is here, she was just featured on a podcast. Mm. It is called um, Answer Your Unique Calling with Julian Cross and Hill. So find that wherever you get your, you almost said your Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Your ear candy. Yeah. Your ear candy, yeah. And you were on it too. How many? When did? When was your podcast? Mine was a few. Mine was a few weeks ago. Mine was a two-parter because he likes to keep them about thirty minutes, and we talked for an hour, and so he broke it up into two parts. Mine is more. Mine is more on the um, business, like the spiritual business. What did? Let's see what he said about you. I'm looking. I'm looking at his podcast post. Wait, what did he say about you? What? What? What do you mean about spiritual business? That's what I I thought I talked about. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Mine was a lot to do with, how do I put this into words? Mine was a lot about how to keep going. And what I mean by that is one of the examples that we talked about. So one of the things that I do for a, a huge part of my personal business, the Art of Wild Pleasures, is I host retreats. And retreats are of their beast of their own. And I feel like I'm getting a little bit more of a handle on it. I'd get a little bit more of an understanding, but if you would have asked me at my very first retreat, if I, so my very first retreat, I essentially like beg people to come because I was essentially no one. I didn't have any type of platform. I didn't have published uh, books. I mean, I was a published author, but that was more of like city life type of things. I didn't have, you know, this podcast, we didn't have the temple at that time. So I was just somebody who was like, I know that part of my path is hosting retreats. I know it is because the magic that I've experienced in retreats, I knew that I could hold space for other women to experience Mm -hmm. that as well. Mm -hmm. And so my very first rebirth of your wild retreat, I was essentially begging people to come. And then the second one I decided I, you know, if I don't sell out, I don't sell out and that's okay. The people who are meant to be there are going to be there. And, and boy, was it a, was it a week of lessons, um, beautiful, beautiful Mm -hmm. lessons. And then the third retreat, which is happening in the September, 2023, it sold out in two months. So it's not, we, we get to see overnight success 
And this is, this is what I talk about in the podcast and his podcast. We get to see overnight success, but we don't get to see the five, 10, 15 years of the mm-hmm. hard work that was put in before it. Mm-hmm. Right. And for like, for example, I, I keep my retreats intentionally small because it, it is deep healing and that's not meant for 20, 30, 40, 50 women. Like it's just, mm-hmm. there's no way that the deep healing can happen in that type of environment. Mm-hmm. If I hosted retreats where I had multiple facilitators, that might be a possibility. But even then we're creating an instant community. And that is something that you have to think about when you bring 50 different personalities in mm-hmm. somewhere, mm-hmm. they're not always going to mesh. And that's something that you want to be protective of, at least through my eyes. Well, it can't and be intimate, that deep healing no. and like the deep work that a person has to bring. You can't do yeah. that. That if it doesn't feel intimate and if you don't feel like truly held individually and also by the container. Exactly. Exactly. So I intentionally keep it small. So again, my first one, I was begging people to come. My second one, it did not sell out, but the right people were there. And this mm-hmm. third one, it sold out in two months. And I also have a 13 person wait list. Like that's wild. That's, that I wild. would never have imagined that when I first did this because I was literally <laughs> essentially is what it was which also I think had a correlation with my identity with my worth right Mm. like who am I to ask people to spend money to come spend a week with me is how I saw it Mm. um which I still struggle with my worth sometimes um in regards to how to price things but I feel much more rooted these um this this last year very much so And then today I'm rolling out my second week long retreat, which is called soft and slow, a wild woman surrendered to her ecstatic pleasure. So I'm going to wait this week. It's going on sale today. Okay. Cause when I looked at it yesterday, there weren't any prices or anything. And I was like, well, how are we doing this? What's the, you got to get on the board. (laughs) Yep. So I start, I'm starting it. So it's in May of 2024. And so I usually do two months of early bird pricing and then it goes up to the regular price. And then it essentially gives you a year, a little over a year to be able to make payments if you can't make a full purchase of the seed. And so I'm sending the uh, newsletter out today that the, the applications are open. And then the applications for the 2024 um, September Rebirth of Your Wild Retreat will go on sale probably September this year. Amazing. Yeah. And then I have a bunch of weekend retreats. Like, like life is good. Life is really good. Yeah. But that's essentially I, what I was talking about with Julian. It's just like you, you're going to struggle like period point blank. I remember who I was at my very, very first workshop and how different mm-hmm. I was so hard on myself. Cause it, in my eyes, it wasn't perfect. And I'm like, these people are spending money to be with me. It has to be perfect. <laughs> I remember that. And I knew that my 10th workshop and I'd feel different. I just had to get over the hurdles. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, yeah, good luck you do that. <laughs> and also I let my intuitive self, my, my in the present moment self go, oh, that's the medicine we need today. Mm-hmm. Like I'll have an idea and I have, I'll have a structure, but sometimes it's like when you feel the energy of the room, completely different. And you're like, that's what we need to do. Yeah. And it's like a, a drop in inspiration drip straight from the divine. Cause it's like, you've never had that thought before. You've never considered yep. it, putting it someplace. And it was yep. like these perfect people at this perfect moment, brewed it and just plooped it right inside your brain. Yep. 
And you're like, well, absolutely. I have to do this. this is what we're doing. Obviously. <laughs> exactly. And there's perfect trust in it versus, you know, a, a 15 minute, um, you know, sectioned out schedule. And then the whole time you're like, am I on track? Am I not on track? Did I do this thing? Yeah. People need to be talking faster. People need yeah. to be sharing more, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never know. You'll never understand the concept of time better than if you ever do a retreat because you're like, you, I went in my first year with like, boom, like 11 o'clock, 1115, 1130, right. 1145. And then the universe is like, oh, honey, <laughs> let me teach you a thing or two. Um, but what did you and Julian talk about? Um, we talked about, we talked about divine, the divine and devotion and. Oh yeah. He told breathing. me that he really loved the way that you talked about devotion. Yeah. So it's, and I, so I listened to part of it back and, um, it's, it's like, <laughs> you know, inner critic ego. Cause he asked the question and then I'm just like, let me talk about God for like 15 minutes. And then I'm like, oh my God, did I even answer his question? I don't know, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's cool. It was the answer we were meant to hear, right? Exactly. Exactly. And well, okay. Also, can I say, I'm going to like backpedal a little bit because you had said, do you enjoy watching me watching myself? I enjoy watching you less than a year ago say, I would like to have what was it? 16 retreats a year or however many. And you're like, it wasn't that many, but good Lord. Right. Well, it was eight plus what? Eight plus two. I wanted to do, I wanted to do two week long retreats plus a handful of weekend retreats in between those. Yes. So it, it was what one and less, less than one a month, but, uh, but just about right. Yeah. It was like every six weeks or so. Yeah. And, and, and I remember you talking through like the, the likelihood and like the possibility of it. And like, what does that actually look like? And like, how long it's going to take to get there. And, you know, sitting at the bottom of the mountain, ready to climb it. Like, I'm going to fucking do this. And, you know, it's going to be really fucking hard. And then it was like, I can't say that it wasn't that hard, but like, it's amazing three years the, the incredible, it's just, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And while I don't think my Sabbath retreats will sell out this year, it's like, I, I already know the, the people who are meant to be there are going to be there Mm -hmm. and it's just going to get more defined, more refined, more, um, get the people who are going to be there, who are meant to experience are going to be there. Now, next year, I might not, I'm, I'm definitely going to be doing the Maybon and the Litha Sabbaths. I don't think I'll be able to do Beltane next year because, um, there's a lot, there was a reason, there was a reason why I couldn't do it. Wasn't it? Cause there was more on the calendar. It could be. I do know that I had Beltane and then I had my week long retreat but that could have been my deciding factor. I can't remember, but I'm definitely going to be doing at least two Sabbath, if not more. It just depends on um, what I learned this year, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I'm very excited though. Sweet. Yeah. And you can find all that information about Sarah's yeah. retreat on our website. Yes. Now the, and on, the, her, right. on her website. <laughs> what will happen is you'll <laughs> click on the picture on Temple of the Rebel Goddess under the retreats tab and it'll take you to the art of wild pleasure, which is my personal, um, business. And that's where I've decided, like, I felt very resolute that I had tried to push myself into doing a lot of online content by way of art of wild pleasure. And I truly and honestly and utterly hate online content. My you mean like social media posts and stuff? 
no like having classes and gatherings by uh, digital way yeah and it literally sucks sucks <laughs> like to the very core and I have to hand it to the to the women to the people to the souls that can maintain concrete space because it really is it's so accessible right compared to having to find space to be in person but my medicine is meant for in person and Mm. I have resolved myself to that very deeply and I am Mm. so okay with my medicine being in person Mm. because as soon as you get into my orbit you're like yeah damn and I know that and that and and feeling you feel that is then what charges me and that I'm like let's motherfucking do this <laughs> and then it makes me want to do it more because I can I can feel it from you that you're like I have been aching for something like this and I'm like bitch I know that's why I'm doing this let's do it together <laughs> yeah I love it I'm in love with it so much beautiful yeah so go listen to Sam talk with Julian. And then if you skip a few episodes back, you can hear me talk with Julian. And and then we're going to be, I don't know when it's actually going to happen, but we're going to be on another um, podcast called WTF Spirit or What the Fuck Spirit with mm. Maria Leggett. Mm-hmm. Don't know when that's happening. I feel like mine is in June. She's, she's um, pretty far out in her scheduling. And then she'll eventually be on our podcast because she is one of the facilitators at our temple. Um, but we'll be, eventually we'll be featuring more than just our facilitators, but we wanted to give them a platform because we would not be working with them if their medicine wasn't what our, what our temple could stand behind. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. We did it. We did it. (laughs) Do you feel complete? I do. Now I do. Thank you. I do. Me too. See you next time. Bye. Bye.